Well, ladies and gentlemen of the court, it has come that time not only to record another episode of You'll Never Talk Alone, but to bring the curtain down on another thrilling season of Premier League action. And to do that with me, Alex Level, uh, is Will Caves. Will, how are you doing this evening or morning? Uh, This afternoon, I'm doing great. (laughs) It's been a great sunrise to watch with you over Google Hangouts. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it was also great, despite not winning the title, falling one point short, 97 points, the pure evil scum that is Manchester City, finishing with 98 and retaining the title, unfortunately. Uh, But we we closed it out with a win, and we closed it out with 20 minutes of thinking it could happen and 82 seconds of really thinking it could happen. And boy, that little window sure was fun. But... 2-0 2-0 win over Wolves, Sadio Mane, a brace, drawing level with Mo Salah and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for the golden boot. Uh, Will, I know you didn't get to see much of it, but I mean, did you see? You saw the highlights and you were listening to it. And How did it make you feel? What was going through your mind as this final game was happening? So we were driving it's it's mother's day in the united states or at least this past sunday was and so i was driving to my in-laws house during the game unfortunately and um i when i saw that uh brighton went up one to nothing i was driving and i told my wife i'm pulling over and you have to drive because if, <laughs> if this happens during this game if it's ha- if it happens we're going to die because I'll, I'm going to jump out of the, I'm just, I will come out of the car. Like I'm going to unbuckle and jump out the window if this happens. Um, so we pulled over at a gas station. By the time I walked around the car, buckled up, and we pulled out, city hit equalized. <laughs> and so I said, well, that was pointless. Uh, I don't mind driving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was too late. No, it, I mean, this game was always going to be, the the result was always inevitable, right? Like we kind of knew that yeah. City was going to win. Um, even when Brighton went up, it was kind of like is, this is almost too good to be true. Surely not, <laughs> not this way. Uh, I mean, it would it would be the most Liverpool thing ever to happen though for Brighton to win the league for us. Um, the most this podcast thing. Yeah, right? yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Especially the, the most this podcast. But you know when. When City equalized, I think it just pissed him off, honestly. Aguero yeah. equalized as quick as he could, and um, and they just had a chip on their shoulder the rest of the game. Um, I don't really have much love for City, but, I'm, I mean, congrats to them. You know, 198 points over two seasons is ridiculous. And as much as it pains me to say, you know, congratulations after that chant uh, came out today. Um, you know, kudos to City for buying their way to 98 points. Um, we'll see you next season. Yeah, I I, I agree. It's it, begrudging congrats to them for all that they've purchased. I mean, it, it's great, and they don't really need to keep the receipt. Uh, but they they did win it. But we we went out on a high, and while there was definitely an air of distraction. Uh, on the field, we did score. We went up early. We kind of took care of business early with the first goal. And then we let off kind of the players listening to the crowd as much as anything. And then also being exhausted from the exertions against Barcelona 
and just thinking ahead to the Champions League final, probably not wanting to get hurt for that. Uh, and they, I mean, Wolves had some chances, and Wolves are a pretty good team. They already hit the post, but really it was kind of always under control, even when we weren't trying as hard because we have uh, Virgil van Dijk back there and Allison and the emerging, well, just our whole back line, really. And then Mane iced it with his second. So I, it was a very comfortable win. It was a great way to send this team off, even though they couldn't seal the title. Unfortunately, it was, it's been such a great season emotionally results wise. And for the mentality of this club to make them mentality giants. So yeah, it, it sucks, but it was, it was a good win to send them off. And like you said, they 198 points over two seasons is ridiculous. And for us to be within one point of, a fantasy team of a third season manager mode, just garbage team where you sim every game that it's just unreal with, with an actual squad with a squad that could really exist because the one they have shouldn't exist Mm -hmm. and is on the verge of being proven that it definitely shouldn't exist in terms of financial fair play. So yeah, um, I, what more can you say? And I, I guess I'll give you, this will tease a bit of a full roundup we have of the season uh, of the Liverpool season with the rest of the crew on, but how, how, how are you feeling after all this? I know we have a champions league final, but let's focus specifically on the premier league for right now. I am tired. <laughs> um, my, I, I don't see a cardiologist regularly, but I feel like if I did, they would ask me how I'm alive yeah. <laughs> after this season. Um, it has been just, such a roller coaster, and I recognize this. And this, like, this is the kind of junk that this season brings out. I recognize I didn't, I kind of didn't answer your question a second ago, but the I, one thing that I could hear them talking about, but I could not hear, I heard that Wolves fans were like celebrating the like phantom goals and stuff. Was that could you tell over the TV that that was, yeah? Happening? So it emerged later that that's what they were doing, but weirdly, what happened the first time they did it, everybody was freaking out, and then the commentators kept saying, No, nothing's happened, I don't know why they're cheering. And then Brighton scored maybe 30 seconds after they did that, so everyone was like, How do these people know what is going on? This is really weird, and then they started doing it more and more. And then people started realizing what was going on. So, I mean, they saw their chance and they took it, but also get out of here. But what a weird, like, in a, like, that's this season in a nutshell, right? Like, we're celebrating phantom goals, trying to rile up the other team. You've got two teams to beat the ever loving piss out of the rest of the league. Yeah. You got United's fall from grace. You have no one, no one but uh, City and Liverpool wanting anything to do with the Champions League. Uh, places the qualification places that mm-hmm. is um you you've got the the mid table teams just wrecking the top six repeatedly uh it's it's just what a weird year like the almost in a completely different way almost as weird as like the year that Leicester won the league like that was a super weird year too like this is such a weird year where you have two teams who in any season prior would have beaten the points record Two of them do it this season. Right. Like, it's just, how crazy. Yeah. And weirdly, the one that doesn't win the title is the team that has the two co Golden Boot winners, two fullbacks that have broken assist records or in the top five for assists, the Golden Glove winner, uh, and the one player game of the year. off being an invincible, the player of the year. Like, 
I, I think I've heard multiple people say, ob- like, objectively, that is a great title-winning season. That is one of the best teams of all time. And it came in second. So it, it's it's such a strange feeling. Um, but, again, we'll save a lot of those, that venting and the, the tears for when everyone else is on the pod. But you brought up a lot of storylines that happened over the course of the season this year. And I guess I'll start the discussion about those with is, are you worried about how bad the rest of the league was? Or were we just that good along with city? Or is there a worrying trend? Is the rest of the league worse than it has ever been considering some of the point totals and considering the state of some of the relegated teams or was there just a lot of people having off years or what's going on? It's hard to say the league is bad when the Europa League and the Champions League finals are two English teams. Like it feels weird to say that the league is bad when that also when that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think we are sl- we because we're British here on yeah. this podcast. Uh, the league is slowly turning. Like maybe not as drastic as La Liga, or maybe maybe more like the Bundesliga, whereas like you have one to two teams that could feasibly win it every year. Mostly it's one team right now, just like in the Bundesliga, but like you have one to two teams that could feasibly win it. And then everybody else is pretty good. And the, except for the very bottom, who's pretty bad. Like that's kind of, I feel like that's, that may be where we land. Um, I don't know. It's, there's so much money in the premier league that I feel like teams like Manchester United, um, Tottenham, well, Tot- maybe not Tottenham in this, category but united specifically and chelsea won't stay down for very long um you you got you have the sense that uh united is going to go nuts maybe they sell pogba and they do a clean out but they will also reinvest they're not just going to play kids for a season they're they're going to buy people um you got to think that assuming sorry stays which if you're when you're a chelsea manager that's never a guarantee <laughs> Uh, that they will also buy people if they can. Um, if they can, that well, actually, you know, you're right because they have the ban, right? They can't, they can't actually buy anybody. But I, th- I do think that Pulisic coming in will be good for them. Um, I count that it, that's a, a new buy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And also that they, everybody that doesn't play in the Premier League is on loan from Chelsea. Like in every <laughs> other league, they right. all play for Chelsea. They're just on loan. So um, that. <sighs> you got to think that they won't stay down for long. Uh, Tottenham will eventually have to buy someone. And so they will only improve. Or I think, I think Poch even said like this, this can't, this won't happen again, basically. Like right. I feel like he'll leave if, if he's, ha- if he has to do something like he did this year again. Um, I, the, it's just such a weird season. I think moving forward though, Liverpool's in a great spot to continue on, depending on what the financial fair play is. City seems like they're in a good spot to continue on. And I think the league next year will probably look very similar to what it looks like this year. And then after next year is when you'll see the the you know the 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 reward from all those other teams buying so much so many players and stuff. Right. I mean there's there's so many teams in that kind of in between tier like there's the very distinct right now of the top two the the middle like four or five teams that are somewhere between three and seventh that have a lot of players to buy except for maybe wolves who don't have as many to buy weirdly as chelsea arsenal and manchester united which is hilarious and then you have kind of maybe if you want to call them a group the few between eighth and tenth because they're not quite 
crap, but they're not quite very good. And then you have the bottom half of the league, which may or may not be as bad as it's ever been, weirdly enough. Like the, the games between them are immensely entertaining, but because none of them want the ball, they just keep giving the ball to each other and they just kind of three stooges their way into wins. Mm-hmm. So it's been really interesting to see what has happened with teams like that. Even with all the money coming in, you, you would think that there would be more of a feeling of anybody can beat anybody. And that is true for 18 of the 20 teams. And there's us and their city who are just going to beat everyone. Uh, and it can come down to do who wins when they play each other, which is kind of what happened this season. So mm-hmm. the, disparity even when there's so much funding in the league is is really interesting and how long can it continue how much better can the teams at the top get how much better can the teams in the middle get and what's going to happen with the teams at the bottom like it's so weird and it will be interesting to see i mean there's there's so many players there's so much money they could buy anybody you see people like yuri telemans turn up at leicester like that's crazy when you think about it and that could happen all over the place. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's been really fun to watch, but also more than ever, maybe it's just because we've been in a title challenge and it's been easy to be so Liverpool focused that when given the option between watching another premier league game and watching a game from somewhere else, the games from somewhere else seem much more appealing. Do you think so? I think it does depend on who's playing though, because like I'll, I will watch if Wolves play. I'll watch um, if Leicester play. I, I kind of got sucked into the Leicester story a couple of years ago whenever mm-hmm. they won, and so I kind of I do have a soft spot for Leicester a little bit. Um, I'll watch Leicester anytime they're on TV, it, unless we're playing at the same time. But I I will watch Leicester. Um, I really like uh, Bournemouth is fun to watch. Uh, but you're right. I think other than maybe a select number of teams like. Huddersfield just especially after Wagner left was so bad and and Fulham was just so bad and it I don't know that it I think maybe this year we'll see kind of how that plays out though because I do feel like like Sheffield Wednesday will be pretty decent like from all accounts they're pretty good and then like Norwich will be good and and you know whoever wins the playoff spots I think you know, you see with Wolves that like a kind of a new newish team can do really well um, if if they prepare properly, and and I think that that has just as much to do with it as it does the money. Like it's 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 not just throwing money and hoping it sticks. You have to buy correctly, and you can look at Wolves and see an example of how to do that. Right. And so I think I do think moving forward, if, if teams will look at Wolves as a model, maybe it's not as bad, but they've got it. They can't be Fulham. You know, they can't do that again. Right. They be better than that. Yeah. Wolves or even Norwich as a model. They're a great example. I mean, they, yeah. they won the league. They had more goals. Uh, and I think won it maybe a week earlier. No, they didn't win it a week earlier, but they finished with more goals and spent less money by far. Um, and they bought like smarter. They scouted better. They brought in an exciting coach for cheaper. So I mean, they've shown that in the championship, you can be smart and be proactive and play attacking soccer 
without breaking the bank and having a super agent connection. So mm -hmm. I, I'm really interested to see how they do next season because I, I do like watching them play. They're really exciting. And if we were to sign some of their players, it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world. But I doubt that'll happen. Uh, and fair play to them. Their bus broke down on their championship parade, and they had to push it up the hill <laughs> and get on a hop-on, hop-off bus to finish the tour, which I think is hilarious. Awesome. So that that's that's that was really fun. But yeah, I like the idea of watching Newcastle versus Southampton sounds terrible to me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So any any teams like tenth and lower don't wouldn't prefer to watch them over something from like Syria or the Bundesliga. And that might just be personal preference, but I also feel like they're doing more in some areas. I don't I don't know. It's I don't want to sound like I'm belittling the league, but let's be honest, those teams there was an article I think halfway through the season that showed like they had never been worse than they are now mm -hmm. compared to the rest of the league. So mm -hmm. I mean we well, I will I will put you on blast a little bit. Anytime Liverpool's not playing, you're just watching Frankfurt. And like that's, <laughs> that's the only that's your other team. Uh you just watch Jovic or sorry Jovic uh play all the time. That's all that's, I feel like that's all you do. That's true. I, I do try to watch them anytime I can. But there, there's so many others out there that are that are so fun to watch. And there's so many others that you have to find streams for. So you spend half the time looking for a stream. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we, we talked about things that weren't necessarily the best. But I mean, what, what have been some of your favorite storylines of the season? Right? Was it more teams like uh, the battle for the Everton cup. Was it United's failure? Was it Rafa? I don't know. There's, there's been so much going on. What, what have you enjoyed the most outside of Liverpool? So I, I've really, despite their late season, well, I mean, they get, you can't really call it a late season collapse when they make it to the champions league final, but despite their late season league collapse, Tottenham was really fun to watch this season. Um, Young Min Son is special. Um, I also Wolves was really fun to watch, as I mentioned before. Um, Newcastle was cool. I, I think what fascinated me the most, and this is a lot of people, uh, when when Mourinho got fired and Ollie came on and just tore up the league. For I mean, they, they did play a lot of crappy people, admittedly, but like did so good. And then they gave him the contract and they were so bad <laughs> just after, which is so like, it's funny, but like it sucks too. I mean, like, I, I, like as a Liverpool fan, you're supposed to hate United, whatever, but like it does, that does suck. Like to, to you, your new manager does so well that you give him a new contract and then right off immediately. The yeah. Um, it, that that has been, I feel like, the train wreck that everyone has been watching, especially the past couple of months. Yeah, it's been really fun. They're in a spot where we were, like, in the last decade. So, mm -hmm. on one hand, you do kind of pity them, but on the same time, it's united, so it's great. And it's led to I, watching Gary Neville and Roy Keane get really mad about it has been addicting. It was like watching Arsenal fan TV last season, where it was just fume and anger and like this is just this is just gold, so it, it has been fun to to drink that in. Uh, I've I personally enjoyed uh, West Ham finishing tenth and defying the criticism that they got on this podcast earlier this season, <laughs> or I think two or three of them said, uh, called them the worst team to ever exist. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did start by beating them four nothing and hitting two of their players in the balls. <laughs> so I never forget that that's how we started the season. But yeah, I think just for the the fun of looking back at who some of the people picked to get relegated, mm-hmm. having them on there, and then having Pellegrini turn it around. So, like I don't care about them at all, but that that's just kind of funny. I, yeah. So I mean, there's been so much else. Do you? You feel bad for anyone that has been under pressure or gotten sacked, or do you feel like everyone's kind of been treated justly? No, I don't. It, there's two. Well, no, I don't. I do feel bad. I don't feel like everyone has been treated justly. Uh, I'll let you talk about the big one that happened recently because you followed them more. I feel like David Wagner made the best lemonade that he could at Huddersfield mm-hmm. and still got sacked. I think that was a terrible decision. And I do think that we will see in his time at Schalke that he is actually a good manager that can handle a high-profile team. Um, I I thought Huddersfield, especially last season, was pretty good. Like so, now, pretty good is it's not great by any means. It's relative, yeah. But they weren't awful, and and this season, especially after he left, they were just hot garbage. Um, so he is my like that's not fair pick for the season. And it's interesting with that because I, I can't remember if he got sacked or if he just went in and was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to not work here anymore. So I, I can't remember if he stepped away, but it was it is a bit of a shame that that's how it all went down, that it just ended. Because I, it, there had always been that talk of him – being the pick for the long haul. And no matter what happens, even if they got relegated, even if they finished the season on 14 points, they would have kept him on because they knew he was the best choice. So I, I don't, yeah, it is a shame that he's not in the league anymore. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. You'll see at Schalke that he is a good manager and it's it'll be exciting to see what he can do with theoretically better players, although they haven't really shown their stuff this season at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm guessing what you were referring to was the, the sacking of Chris Hutton at mm-hmm. Brighton. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, losing a lead after 82 seconds when you're trying to win us the title, I think is sackable in and of itself. <laughs> so I good riddance. Uh, but no, it, we were talking with Joseph and Zach in our group text about it because they, they're the, the resident Brighton fans. And they, they felt a little that he was a little hard done by. And they're a little bit worried about the direction that they could potentially go after someone who got them up and help them stay up for two seasons. And it's, it's such a half and half. Like it would have been fine to keep him. It would, it's also fine to have sacked him because they did. And they spent 65 million pounds, I think. And he didn't necessarily get the best out of the players that he brought in. So on one hand, you can't really blame them for sacking him. But on the other hand, they're Brighton. They're a smaller club. He kept them up even with, the form slipping away and they've been up for two seasons and they're continuing to, to grow their revenues. And so that 65 million won't be as big of a hit as it had been previously. So I, I don't know. It's tough. I I don't know if you feel strongly one way or the other, but they are looking at Graham Potter who managed Ostersons, the little tiny Swedish team in the Europa league that played Arsenal. I think it was last year and he's done pretty well with Swansea. So he's a lot more expansive, a lot more, progressive so that could potentially be a good pickup if they do get him but knowing english clubs they have probably hired like mark hughes or someone like that Mm -hmm. 
and that would be terrible. It's really tough, I feel like, for team, ex- with some exceptions, for teams that just barely stay up to... that. I feel like they have it the worst going into the next season. Yeah. Because you don't have the excitement of just being promoted. You don't have the sudden influx of money. Like, you kind of have to deal with what you already have, basically. And it, it's just... I I would expect them to struggle next year, regardless of who the manager is. Yeah, I, they've got such a, a weird, patchy squad. I mean, they've got some individual quality in places, and they've got a pretty solid defense. Um, but scoring goals was such a problem, and that's mm-hmm. that's a bad problem to have in a in a sport that requires you to score goals to win. So, I, I it'll be very interesting to see what they do. Um, and I mean, the teams coming up are going to make the relegation battle even more interesting next year. And a lot of the teams that were safe this year or kind of were out of the relegation battle by the last two, three weeks of the season could very well be dragged back down into it because they're not necessarily good as we discussed. So there's a lot of change to be made down there. And I think a lot of players either moving up, up the table to bigger clubs and potentially more managerial changes. So uh, I'll ask a side question since you mentioned players moving up. Who is your hot pick outside the top six to to get a big promotion this season in terms of club? I think it's got to be Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I mean, he's okay. been a revelation. He's a young player. He would benefit pretty much anyone's back line. I mean, he's so solid defensively, and he's going to continue to improve. And there's a big aspect of his game that could be – tapped into because he was a winger before he was a right back but i mean at palace he's not necessarily tasked with doing anything other than trying to get it to the uh, their wingers as fast as possible so i think you could see a lot more of him doing that at a bigger club and i I wouldn't necessarily complain if he was trent's understudy despite being older than him by a year i think but i mean there there is a lot the world is at his feet and I think he could go places. But uh, what, what about you? I mean, he's for. Like, I mean, if you if you look at the top six, like who needs a right back? It's United. That's an that's an English high. Well, he's at home. I guess he's homegrown, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I assume so. Like, it's a good pick for them. I I could see that happening for sure. Um, mine was going to be uh, James Madison. I could see he's oh, a yeah. t- he's got Tottenham written all over him. I feel like. Yeah, and and he's great. He's really good with the ball at his feet. He's he was the best player on the field until company's goal. Well, really after until he got pulled <laughs> off uh, when they played uh, City a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think Madison is surefire going to move up. Also, I could see Wilfred Zaha going somewhere, but I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's. You never know if he is better as kind of the big fish in the small pond and being the guy that everyone relies on because some players are better at being the guy that everyone counts on. Mm-hmm. And that may be where he thrives the best. And I mean, he could absolutely make it at uh, another club higher up in the table. But will he want to and will he or will he remain where he feels the most comfortable? And there'd be nothing wrong with either of them. I could uh, see Ar- I could see Arsenal going for him. Uh, I. Wouldn't hate us going for him, honestly, but I feel like he's too expensive for what he brings. There's better other places for for Liverpool, and he's he doesn't really strike me as a Klopp signing. 
Yeah, I, I could definitely see those reservations, but also wouldn't mind mm-hmm. if we were to pick him up. Uh, I, I also, like, weirdly, in the way he finished the season, I feel like Iose Perez will earn a move up. <laughs> yeah. Because he's, like, the hot commodity, and someone will just be like, okay, he finished strong, we got to buy him. And hilariously, it's probably going to be Ed Woodward, but we'll see. You think he's going to be that high? I Because that's, like, a buy. That's a Newcastle to Leicester buy, or, like, a Newcastle to, like, Everton. Like, he screams Everton to me. And yeah. or, or like a, like Lester or or somebody like that West Ham, you know that's maybe one step above Newcastle, but I don't know. Because I think I'm thinking just Ed Woodward is in that like flopping around panic mode. He's just going to be buying everybody left and right with no rhyme or reason. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it wouldn't be a smart move, but I could see it happening just because he finished with a lot of goals. They're going to think we need goals. He scored a lot of goals at the end of the season. I remember you recently, so let's do it. And 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 with your Madison shout, it's that area of the table is so difficult for me to think about who's moving because they're going to want to keep those people, but like it's up to those type of players to think: Will I do I will I benefit more from staying here and playing another year, or will I benefit more from going to the big club now because I might never get this chance again? Mm-hmm. So like Madison. Tielemans, uh, someone like that. I mean, there's rumors of Andre Gomez moving up to Spurs. And, and like, what are Wolves going to do? Are Wolves going to be hovering up those players? Are the big Wolves players going to want to go? Or are they going to want to stay to try to build something? Like, they were, we've been linked to Ruben Neves in the past, but is Ruben, Ruben Neves and Diego Jota, are they thinking that Wolves is trying to build something and so they need to stay? Or, or do they want to make that next jump up? I don't know. I think I, I, I love the transfer season. I think it's going to be really cool to see, like, with Copa America this summer and the African Cup of Nations this summer, you may see some people emerge from some smaller, you know, other leagues or whatever. Who kn- we could have the same conversation in July, and it, it's, we're going to talk about completely different people. Um, so I think right now those are the ones that I would go for, but. It, who knows? Honestly, I mean, we—it's going to be after the Champions League final. That's when stuff will really start start, you know, happening. For sure. I mean, we 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 announced the player of the Monday after the Champions League mm-hmm. final last year. So, who knows? We could expect something like that for Liverpool immediately. Uh, and you can tune in here, probably. Who knows? But we'll mm-hmm. probably try to do some uh, some reviews of games at Afcon and at the Copa America, because we actually do get those tournaments on American TV. So Mm -hmm. good for us. Um, And yeah, so we've, we've touched a little bit on some of the teams, the narratives, but I guess we can get more specific now. Do you have like a favorite game that you saw that that really sticks out over the course of the season? One, you were just like, Oh my goodness, that was awesome. But it, it may or may not have involved us. I guess we'll keep it kind of broad since we don't have everybody here, but. Whatever you're feeling. Liverpool related, it's gotta be Newcastle. This most recent <laughs> Newcastle game was wild. Um you know, I this season, so I have a daughter, and this season 
last season I could just like set her somewhere and she would watch whatever I'm watching. But this season I don't have as much autonomy over my television. So unless Liverpool is on, I don't really get to say, no, you can't watch that children's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been tough for me to follow the rest of the league. Um, for sure. You know, the, in terms of recent games or in, in Liverpool games, the Newcastle game was fun. Um, it's always fun to spank people. You mentioned West Ham. Um, games like that are real fun to watch. Um, I don't. It's I don't know. It's hard for me to pick like a game. What about you? I, I think I really, really enjoyed the five-one win over Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in light of where that was in the season, it just felt like we could do no wrong, and like they they were riding a, un, an unbeaten streak coming in, and we just beat the crap out of them like we swept them aside like it was nothing i had brought bobby firmino in to my fantasy team thinking he's gonna go off and he scored twice and, and it was just wonderful that and the win over spurs the second one because just it was tight it was close and then to win like that it was like that's not a goal we used to get and to get that just because we put them under so much pressure it was kind of a a secondary reward of being so good is that you can force mistakes and force bounces and like, like you make your own luck and that's exactly what we did. Um, so that, I really enjoyed that. And then non Liverpool game it's teams. We've talked about that, that four, three wolves, Leicester game mm-hmm. where there were two goals in stoppage time. And it, I think it was Claude Puel's last game. And when the wolves goal went in, like you saw the shot of both benches and the wolves bench was going absolutely crazy and then Puel just put his head in his hands. Like, why is this happening to me? Why does everyone hate me? Mm-hmm. It was it was just nuts. Uh, honorable mention for... Well, the game was terrible, but the moment uh, Divock Origi's goal versus Everton... Well, I, oh, I yeah. never screamed that loud. Like, I was hoarse for, like, the next day uh, because of that goal. Oh, how crazy was that? We're never going to see another goal like that again. No, like no. that's just the weirdest thing, and it was so wonderful. That was that was when Divac reemerged. He hadn't played for us in what, like eighteen months before yeah, that. Crazy! I forgot he was on the team. Yeah, like it, he we had tried to loan him out that season. I think he was trying. He almost went to Huddersfield on loan, and we it fell through. And so he was just knocking around. And look, look at what he's done now. He beat Everton. He beat Newcastle. He beat Barcelona. Like that guy. What a turnaround. Redemption story of the season, right there. Who was, I'll ask you one. Who was your most disappointing player of the season? Hmm. So there were a few, I guess. Um, I'll I'll go one closer to home and then one, I guess, not as close to home, but also close to home at the same time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think Nabi Keita was one of my most disappointing players of the season, considering how good he was before he came here uh, and how well he started, honestly. The mm-hmm. first three games of the season, he was absolutely boss. And to see it drop off so drastically for a huge chunk of the middle of the season – was so disappointing. You know, like you could see the flickers and you could see kind of what he was trying to do, but also all of his thought process going on in his head. Like it was so weird to be able to see him thinking so clearly and so timid and so shy and not the player we bought. And then that goal versus Southampton happened and he was reawakened. 
And so he went from most disappointing to, all right, this is why we bought him. This is why everyone was so excited about him. Mm-hmm. When I bought a Navi Keita jersey because he's awesome mm-hmm. and just continued. And then to see him get hurt again and not be like a muscle strain, like a serious injury to keep him out for a while was so disappointing, but for a very different reason. So in terms of what we expected and what we got for the majority of the time, that unfortunately has to be a disappointment. I, I don't think he was terrible, but he was not the level that he has shown that he could be throughout the season. And that mm-hmm. was bad. Uh, and then outside of that, I think uh, Ali Reza Yahan Bosch, hope I'm saying mm. that right. Uh, he He's, I mean, he did really well in the Eredivisie and he has so much more to offer than what we saw. And I think kind of his failure to shine, whether that be for his own individual efforts or because of the system that he was in was part of the reason why Chris Hutton got fired because mm-hmm. they spent a lot of money on him. And before that he had been a goal machine and an assist machine. It had been one of the most influential players in the Eredivisie, despite not being on PSV or Ajax. So uh, to see him come here and, uh, he had even been potentially touted as someone we brought in for depth. And then to see him come and not even get a goal or an assist was just so disappointing. And it contributed to Brighton almost getting relegated. So that was not fun to see. So I, I don't know if you have anybody different. I'm sure you do because those are sad picks. <laughs> um, so mine are kind of lower end of the table. I was actually kind of excited to see... Ryan's to see Ryan Sessegnon be in the league and like see how I didn't think he would be as good as he was in the championship but I thought okay if he does decently then maybe we go for him or even I thought we might go for him anyway as an Andy you know understudy or maybe you know just some depth across the the left hand side and he just was not good at all this season I know he's like 12 years old so he's got time to to (laughs) pick it up um my other one was the was my man from like FIFA 17 and that's Max Meyer when oh, he yeah. when he uh when he got signed to, to Crystal Palace I was like oh crap I hate playing Crystal Palace already and he's going to rip us a new one every time we go to Selhurst every time they come here and he just was not that great I was really disappointed with him this season he didn't really play that much he was Yeah he really didn't a bench option for mm-hmm. most of the season Yeah I mean, it, I remember he was like one of the highest potential kids on the older FIFAs and mm-hmm. to see him now. It's like, is this even the same person? Roy Hodgson won't even pick him. It was, yeah, it was unfortunate. I also kind of Liverpool related shout. I really wanted Danny Ings to, to be something, you know, he hasn't really done much since he was at Burnley 25 years ago, but <laughs> when he went to, uh, you know when he when he moved away from Liverpool, I really thought, okay, well this this could be something. You know, I really I thought going into the season, I thought we should keep him honestly and let let get rid of Divock. I would never say that now, <laughs> uh, but get rid of Divock and and keep Ings because he's kind of he could play across the front three. He fits whatever. Of course, Klopp knows best, and he just was not great this season. No, I yeah, he started hot and then I, he must have gotten hurt or there was that first game where we played them where he wasn't eligible to play and uh, you just never heard about him ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those. he he he's real like stop start for sure. And unfortunately, he's he's made of glass and yeah. it's, just, it's terrible. Uh and two honorable mentions 
from my end as well. One is I'm disappointed, but I'm also very happy uh, in kind of the whole sorry Chelsea situation because objectively, when his teams are in full flow, they're a joy to watch and to see kind of how everything is unfolded between him, the team, the ownership, and the media has been kind of a shambles and it's been pretty sad. Like they, this guy who I think even Pep said, like this is the most innovative person in the last since since me. Almost, I don't think he was that arrogant to say that, but I mean, someone who changed the game as much as I did is getting, and then he's getting treated like he's just some like pub guy, like some guy from the pub that they gave the job to. Uh, and then the fans, like I think there's been some really despicable fan behavior this season. Mm-hmm. There's been so many more elevated uh, instances of racism and just like fan violence and people acting like idiots. And I, I, maybe it's just the social media age, but it's pretty sad to see what has happened to the sport outside of what's going on on the field. Like there's been some great moments and then just, it seems like more than ever, there's just been some really just sad and like, come on. Like there, there's been multiple efforts to say no to racism and that shouldn't be necessary in 2019. And yet here we are. It's just been, it's been sad. I would agree for sure. I mean, to to starting with which I mean this has been a, a little while but like Sean Cox last season really since then I feel like it's been something it's something all the time like all every time we go somewhere not and that's not just Liverpool but like you just hear about junk some kind of chance and this it's it's not even in England I mean you you see recently which this is I could record a whole another podcast about this but with Moisey Keane and yeah and Cagliari, I believe it was, and uh, Syria just saying, "Well, we're not going to do anything. See you later." Like, I, why would you want to play there? I don't, and and I'm not. Look, I, I'm not in that situation. I don't know what the monetary incentives are. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter to him. Whatever. But like, it just at some point, what's it going to take? Like for for this for that kind of stuff to change? I'm with you completely. It's so disappointing. Yeah, and it had happened in other places in Italy, especially this mm-hmm. season. They have got a real problem on their hands. Um, I mean, they have the technology to identify the people in the fan in the stands who are doing it. And I think the most harsh punishment this season has been a one-match section of the stand closure, which is just unacceptable. Uh, and we will change the subject quite dramatically by me asking <laughs> what your goal of the season was. Ah. Uh. Liverpool was Salavers Chelsea probably uh, with s- close runner up Bobby versus PSG. What, I came out of my chair <laughs> just like so filthy when he cut everybody up. Um, and then non, I'm trying to remember who it was. There was some and uh, no, it, like I said earlier, I didn't watch a ton of non Liverpool games, but it was Andres Townsend, I believe, versus Burnley or he just had some absurd goal. Was uh, it the volley versus City where they beat City at the Etihad? Where he just first timed it from outside the Yes, game? yeah, that was it. I was yeah. thinking it was Burnley. It was it was City, yes. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah, that that was stupid. And that that's my goal of the season as well because the culmination of who it was against and who it was and how well it was hit like that much like the Arigi goal versus Everton, that will never happen again. He will never hit a ball that well again in his life. 
Uh, and I know there's a weird reality that we're in where if you do look up Andros Townsend and he has some ridiculous goals, you think, wow, this guy's really good. And he's not, but he scored that goal and it was great. <laughs> uh, and I think it's, it's tough to pick my favorite goal, Liverpool goal of the season. Like the Salah one versus Chelsea was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just, we scored so many, it's hard to remember. I just, Tied into my disappointment of the season, my favorite goal of the season was Nabby's header versus Southampton <laughs> because of what it did for him and just so to see him so happy and to see him emerge as the player that we kind of tried to buy or that we did buy and we wanted to see like that, what it meant for him, what it meant for the midfield, like finally having that balance and allowing Henderson to move back up into the eight. Uh, which weirdly everyone has now like all the commentators are like, Oh, that's something we didn't know Jordan Henderson had in his locker. It's like, he, that's where he played before Klopp got here and was really good. So that's what everybody knew he had in his locker. This other stuff is the stuff we didn't know he had. Would turn out he kind of didn't have in some, yeah. in some cases. I'm, well, I'll say that I, he, he was, he did what was asked, but yeah. uh, same game actually. My one, I guess my second runner up was Henderson's goal from that Southampton game. Yeah. When he just like, you could just feel the weight of the world to lift off of his shoulders. It, that was such a fun game. Oh, yeah. Like that, that was weirdly one of my favorite wins of the season out of all of them just because of how we did it and what it meant. And for Mo to score and for Nabby to score, like those were the best three goal scores that could have happened in that game. And an amazing post-match interview with Virgil, Mo, and Hendo mm-hmm. in that one as well. So that that was that was such fun times. Um, it's a shame that Evil ended up winning, but here we are. So I guess we'll we'll turn our attentions to uh, some things that we'll tease some later episodes, including when everybody else is on, and then some just kind of summer episodes. And we have three weeks until the final, so we've we've got to put out some content because people are hungry for content. So we'll. We've got an amazing squad that finished with 97 points. Um, but what do we, where do we need to strengthen to get those other points that will win us the title? So we, we, we don't have to get into specific players, but I mean, there's, there's certainly some positions you've probably been thinking about mm-hmm. where we need to invest. So where, where would you start with that? I would start at left forward and we as good as we were this season we were one Sadio Mane injury away from disaster i feel like at any point um bobby went down and we managed to not struggle but if mane had been down at the same time that mo was in his goal drought we would not be having the same conversations that we're having right now um we've got to get some quality backup it doesn't even have to be the same level but just somebody that can come in and do something um you know, and be a game changer, maybe a different option altogether um, would be fine with me. Um, I would start there. And also, sadly, I, I might get another center back. Um, I, I know it's 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 fun to be on the Matip train right now. And like Joe, Joe Gomez is, is good, but neither of them, especially Gomez has now broken leg is an anomaly. It's not a muscle injury. He can't really help a broken leg, but he can't stay fit. And my tip, I could be proven wrong. And I hope that I am, 
but he is not going to be able to keep this form up forever. And he's not going to be able to stay fit for a long period of time. And so I just, I would rather go ahead, like just go get delict, go get somebody good, just pay the money. Doesn't matter. Like we're also a one Virgil Van Dyke injury away from disaster <laughs> yeah. as well. So you might as well just go buy, go spend 40, 50 million, get delict, and let's just call it a day. When they're both fit, we have the best center backs in the league. When one of them goes down, we have, you know, great replacements. Yeah, else. exactly. And I, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, and both of our center backs that we would think are the future going forward of potentially partnering Virgil are super fragile. So that would definitely be somewhere to look to start strengthening. Uh, I think where I would start is depth for the fullbacks. I think when, our, when we had our big dip, where we had all those draws. We had our January dip again, which we definitely need to spend to address because we just need more players. Those, we struggled when we had to move Milner and or Henderson out there to right back and or Genie sometimes. Like it, it was not right. It didn't flow right. It threw a lot of things off. And considering how important our fullbacks are, as you saw from our from Trent and Andy getting 12 and 11 assists respectively. Like that's the most important part of our team structure. And we need someone to be able to step in when it's not necessarily going right for Trent. Cause he's still a young player and he's going to be a little inconsistent, even though he's had a phenomenal season or we've been lucky with injury for both of them where they haven't been out for too long, but I mean, Trent did miss some games and, Andy will need rest at some point. Like his his lungs are massive, but sooner or later he will start feeling the effects of running just eighty thousand miles every game. So that is where I think our money could go to start with is someone of equal or lesser quality, or someone that could grow into the level that we need them to be to play to rotate. To, because we need we need to be able to rotate mm-hmm. not just in January but all the time when we have so many competitions to worry about. And, I mean, I know we don't really care about the cup competitions, and I know we've gotten to the Champions League final two years in a row, but it could be a lot easier if we had a lot more options because we we somehow managed to beat Barcelona with Milner playing left back for half the game and Divac Origi and Jordan Shakiri who hadn't played in eons out there. So that, that the belief was not an anomaly, but the result kind of was with who was out there. So mm-hmm. fullbacks... And uh, while attacking depth is on the list, it's number three for me, like a a more attacking center mid, a little bit different look to go into that three, especially when we're playing teams that are more than happy to let us have the ball and build a wall around the goal. Let's get someone in there that can provide the lock pick as easily as possible. Because those were some of the games where we grounded out, especially in the first half of the season, and let's not have as many grinds and more just demolitions. So mm-hmm. I, I'm all for those kind of wins. I agree. Yeah, I, the, we there's some places to strengthen, but let's not forget this team is amazing and awesome and wonderful. And I, I don't know, it's, it's probably the most fun I've ever had being a Liverpool fan overall, just in general of everything. I know there were the high times of winning in Istanbul – and all that, but this everything about the club right now is so much fun, and we could repeat the Istanbul feeling in Madrid. So, Will, if you had to put 
one word to describe this league season, at least for Liverpool, what would you pick? Phenomenal. I think is truly phenomenal. We are to the point. So my brother is an Arsenal fan and he, before this season, we, he would text me Liverpool Arsenal play and we usually beat him, but he'd be like, Oh, we're going to get you this time. You know, uh, like, cause that's going to run over you or where, you know, it's going to be, he, he, he loves to hate on Danny Welbeck and he would always be like, Welbeck hat trick incoming, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, but he was serious. Cause like he, you know, we were at similar position on the tables, usually sometimes below him, but this season he's, he's been like crap. And now we have to play Liverpool. And I feel like everybody <laughs> thinks that now it's like, well, here we go again. We got to play Liverpool. Well, let's just clench our teeth and get through it. You know? Um, yeah. so I, I think, I, I think our transformation under Klopp has just been incredible. I think this season was phenomenal and I, I think we will only improve. Yeah. Uh, if I had to pick a word, I'd say fun because everything about this whole team from the top down is really fun. The results have been fun. The games have been fun the, at the, at the end, a lot of them have been a slog to get through just nerves-wise, but it's been fun to be winning everything. It's been fun to have, like, all the stuff that we have, all the videos that we have outside of the season, like the the Bezzy's series and the Inside Anfield series and that kind of stuff. Like, the whole atmosphere around the club has just been immensely fun. And even the players that you don't necessarily want playing, that you don't think are good enough for the team, you still like them as people. Like, they're still fun to see in in – anywhere outside of playing for the team. So it's the atmosphere is just unrivaled. And I think almost every team in the world is looking at what we have going on and is incredibly jealous and wants to have that kind of vibe around their whole team and just love watching their team play every week. So yeah, definitely fun. Definitely phenomenal. Definitely all sorts of things that you'll hear our other three podcasters talk about. When they hop on for our full end of the season review, uh, we may do that before the final. We might not, but there's a lot to come from us uh, leading up to the Champions League final against Tottenham Thotspurs and over the course of the summer when a lot of crazy stuff's going on. So, Will, you better be free. You better, you better clear that calendar. I'll be here just for you. You better accept that Outlook invite. <laughs> And that will do it for us for this episode. I don't want to say week because who knows what we'll do. We like to play by our own rules. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, follow us on Twitter at YNTA Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on the season as a whole. Uh, will, why don't you let the people know how much they mean to you and how much fun you've had. This has been a great season, you guys. And I can't wait to see you in Madrid. <laughs> can't wait to see you either, Will. Can't wait to see you, listener. I can't believe that Joseph has agreed to pay for us to go to the, the Champions League. Like, I just am, I feel so honored that he would choose me and you to go represent the podcast in Madrid. I know, yeah, it's such a great move. And I, mean, I know we're a little disappointed in him for missing tonight's episode, but... It's worth it for him to be coordinating all our travel like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I just, Joseph, if you're listening, I really appreciate it. Thanks. You the man.
and you demand, Will. I'm giving you a gold star for this episode for your great insight, your great headset, and all that greatness that you got going on over there. So with that, we bid you adieu. Andrew, sign us off. <laughs>